Hi friends, welcome to Womankind. I'm here in episode 6 with my guest for this week, Claudia Ramirez Aguilar, and I want to talk a little bit about how this is my first distance interview, so this is pretty exciting. We're on Skype right now, and Claudia is in New York City, and I'm here in Buffalo, New York, so like I said last week, I'm, I'm really looking for more of a variety of guests, so if you are in a different city, I am all set up to interview you now. Before we get into Claudia's story today, I want to talk to you a little bit about an update from last week. So last week, Sarah and I talked a bit about um, the Fearless Girl statue that is in Wall Street or on Wall Street in New York City right now. Um, and this week, the update on that is that that statue will stay there until February, at least February of 2018. And so now, Claudia, I know you said that you haven't, you're in New York City, but you haven't seen uh, it yet. Oh, <laughs> my, I know, I feel so terrible, because even last week, I had a couple of friends visiting, and they were so excited asking me about it, and I was like, well, I know where it is, if you want to see it, but I can't tell you how it is, because I haven't seen it. I've been trying to go, like, at least after work. I'm not that far, but something always comes in the middle. But I have to. I definitely have to do it. <laughs> well, so now, I, it's very exciting to know that it's going to be there for longer, at least. Oh, absolutely. Want... Now you have a whole year, so you have some time. <laughs> Actually, that's even worse, because that, that way I won't force myself to do it. You know? I will be like, yeah, I have another month. Yes, another couple of months, which is not great, but I'm going to try. <laughs> well, schedule right now for January 2018, right before they take it away. <laughs> I know, I really have to do that. (laughs) Okay, so we are going to get right into Claudia's story today. So Claudia and I became friends because she is dating my brother, Andrew. And she recently, well, not so recently anymore, she moved to the United States from Mexico City. What is that, like over a year now for sure? Yeah, actually almost two years ago already. Almost two years, oh my gosh, time flies. Um, I don't know. (laughs) And she moved to the United States to pursue a career as a relationship manager at HSBC. Um, And so we're just going to get right into her story. So, Claudia, tell us a little bit about your story. I totally hate how uh, open you left that question. You were like, (laughs) when I read it, it's like, (laughs) like, how do you say your story? So, okay, I think you already said, uh, I've been here for two years. I'm basically, a, I don't know, a middle-class woman. I was born in, actually, Mexico City, but I grew up in a small town nearby the city with my family. Basically, I have only one sister. She's older than me. She's three years older than me. And it's been my parents and us against the world, basically. And I don't know. Um, so, yeah, so it's been basically, it was just my sister and I. I think I honestly have never wondered uh, like about specifics like to tell your story that way mm-hmm. until fairly recent trips that I have made on my own because I enjoy like getting to know some different countries or cities by myself. Mm-hmm. And it was when I had this trip on my own when I was turning 15 years old. My parents decided to send my sister and I, like, separately in our 15th birthdays to just meet somewhere else, like a different country, by ourselves, to discover ourselves. 
because well, I don't know if you know, you probably know, in Mexico, turning 15 years old, it's a, like a big deal. Oh, it's, absolutely. You have like this, it's similar to here, this Sweet 16. Right. Like you're supposed to have like this huge party and, and like a whole Catholic ceremony. But like we weren't really like that followers of those ideas. So it was for us, it was more embedded like, okay, so you're growing up, getting more mature, go out there and do your thing. So it was the first time that we traveled by ourselves. We both went to Canada, and I remember vividly, uh, I'm the kind of person that doesn't matter how tired I am, I cannot sleep on a plane, I cannot sleep on a car, anything moving, I just can't sleep. Oh my gosh, I so totally first, relate to that. <laughs> That's me. Too. Yeah, so I'm just the annoying per- passenger who keeps talking to strangers. <laughs> so on that trip, I was. I remember there was this guy, I think he was even like, he had some weird job, he was like a consultant for biotechnology or something like that. And we just started talking. And of course, like the first question he asked was, so are you traveling by yourself? And why are you traveling by yourself? And he asked me if I was afraid. And I was like, well, no, I'm traveling because like, what's not to like to travel? Uh, I want to know somewhere different on my own. I think it's the best experience as far as I knew so far. And no, I mean, I'm not afraid. What's there to be afraid? And like, he kept telling me like how it must have been hard because I was a woman, like, and I was, because I was young and because I was going to be in a different country where I didn't know anyone. And I don't know, like, it was probably the first time that I, it kind of hit me that people see us, see women out there differently. And then it was like a five or six hour trip. So we kept talking. So I probably told him too much about me. I told him about my sister and stuff. I told him that my sister had done that before as well. And he suddenly asked me the question of, well, how did your parents raise you to make this like fearless woman? And like, I don't know. Honestly, like since then, I think I've tried, I've been a little bit more conscious. And I think of even now I'm as the same, like in different ways because here I am in New York living by myself living away from my family and actually my sister lives in Germany she's been living by herself as well for many years right now as well so it's a question that is being done like more often I still don't know how to answer mm-hmm. I just think I came out from a loving different supportive family who just I don't know pushes you to do whatever you want so and here I am here you are. And I was going to say, I know that your your sister, she used to live in Alaska, and now she lives in Germany, and you're living in New York, and I feel like your parents um, kind of pushing you to do that really formed you guys into the independent women that you are now. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, and the thing is that I don't know, like, really, if you want to ask me, like, what, like, what were they telling you when you were growing up, or... Like, what actually drove you to, I think it was not something specific that they told us, but something probably that they didn't tell us. Like, they, I don't think I was, we were ever told, like, you cannot do something, or mm-hmm. that we were different for being women, or that we were going to be, like, somehow limited for to do mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. And I think, actually, for both, when we decided to pursue, like, having a work abroad, or doing something probably kind of different from what's expected from us in our society like they never asked like a 
they never judged it and they never stopped it. Mm -hmm. And in work-wise, I also mean it because I'm in banking and it's not that common in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Like, I think so far right now we are more women in general working, but like my dad's family is more conservative. Like they are from old ages. They are more, I think I only have one aunt maybe that actually worked. That wasn't like the homestay mom Mm -hmm. because it was, that's not how it used to work, you know, like even just one generation back. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I joined biking, like they were like, so, but what are you doing there? How is it with all the men surrounding you? And again, stuff like, honestly, I think nowadays you don't really ask yourself until someone who sees it differently Mm -hmm. brings it into the equation. Definitely. And I think that's, that's something I've seen as a theme with other guests on the show is that, you know, I, the way I was raised and the way a lot of people around me were raised, nobody said specifically like, no, you're not going to be able to do that because you're a woman. But I think we, we all have that moment where we were confronted with something where someone said, oh, how can you do that and also be a woman? And that makes you stop and think Mm -hmm. for a second and that's you 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 know you were 15 years old on that plane and hadn't thought about it at all and that's how I feel a lot of my students are they've never had an obstacle they've just been told you can do whatever you want to do and hopefully that's the reality that you can but there are people that are going to be doubters in that situation yeah and I think it's just going to be it seems like it doesn't matter which generation we actually come into. I honestly think we're like probably in the best. Like, mm-hmm. I understand. Honestly, I know we still have like a lot of fight, a lot of people that will still believe that we're not equal and that we're just mm-hmm. different and, or some might think that we're inferior or whatever. But uh, I think that precisely because it, it was embedded at some point in every society, we will always sadly encounter those ideas or those thoughts that even if in your house or in your family it's not something that you grow up with sometimes someone will come and hit you with the reality which is eh, interesting let's just say right right so we need Mm -hmm. to rise above that a little bit (laughs) um so claudia what does it mean to be a woman in 2017 then going with that train of thought yeah, so I think it could be, yeah, basically, actually related to that, I think we are somewhere in a, in a moment in which our role is more like, like a fighter role, like, a def- like to defend what we've earned so far, like, I'm not sure how to explain it, like, I'm thinking, um, again, like, I know all of the older generations have fought for us to be able to be going to work, to be able to study, to be able to speak up our minds without being, I don't know, imprisoned or shut up, like in a very terrible way. Again, it still happens, but I think we are in a position in which we are already doing that. So I think what it means now is we have to fight to defend to not lose it, to keep the dialogue going, to keep showing that we do have a voice and that we do have something that we're valuable, that just because you're a woman, it doesn't make you different or less valuable, and that we have to keep that ball rolling, you know? That's kind of what I think where we are. 
Definitely. I, that's such a beautiful image of, like, a woman as a fighter and defending everything that we've come to so far. So what does that mean, then, to you personally? Um, well, hmm. it's one of the hardest questions because, uh, again, as mentioned, it's not something that I have constantly in my mind. Right. Like... I honestly don't constantly, I mean, I, I know I face, like, I don't feel it right now, for example, in the office, because luckily most of my team are women, mm-hmm. but you can see it, like, if you actually sit down and try to think more about it, yes, like, the main, like, the senior positions are men, like, there are still teams in which if you're not a guy who goes out, like, literally just for drinks with it guy boss you will like you're not going to go anywhere in your career or that you can also see it maybe as friends that even between us we are harsh and judgmental if you see a girl hanging out with a bunch of guys you're suddenly you're going to criticize her Mm -hmm. if you see her like with a bunch of women you're going to criticize her Mm -hmm. and like it just feels like we're in a hard place in the way that yes we are fighters like not only in general in women's movement but like with your own life like to make sure that everything like probably I don't know if you should be that conscious or not that there are standards apparently by society that you have to follow which shouldn't be mm-hmm. that you have to I don't know used to be yourself and stand for yourself, but sadly that being a woman, it does seem uh, that is like a disadvantage apparently, that you have to try to fight harder, mm-hmm. which again, is not something that I'm always conscious, but again, if you like, and I don't think I feel it like in a terrible way, but if you put more um, attention or focus, you can see that, well, yeah, we're still far behind on that. Definitely. And I, I like what you said. Like, it kind of puts you more on your guard. And then maybe yeah. you do judge people in a way that you wouldn't have before when you're thinking about it <laughs> so much. And I, I find myself in that position sometimes, especially lately, because I feel like I've been thinking about these things you know, day and night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Like, I even thought it just by reading the questions, you know, by saying, okay, um, like, even I was discussing uh, it with Andrew, he was like, well, but, like, you don't seem to be mad, like, at being a woman or anything. And I was like, well, you don't have to be mad for being a woman. Like, just actually facing that reality that mm-hmm. you're not that conscious. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to be angry. And even if you realize it, it's probably, like, I won't lie to you, it's kind of shocking, maybe, to see that we still have, like, some issues in that regard. Mm -hmm. But it's not like you have to be angry, or it's not like you will be hating everyone just because you're conscious. I think it's actually a good thing that you are making yourself thinking about it more, because now I'm wondering, and how am I going to make, like, my contribution, you know? Because just being there in my comfort life, in which, again, if I don't think about it, I don't think I have those major issues. Like, I don't think I'm struggling all the time because I need, I don't know, to get recognition by either friends or work or family because I'm not a man. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean 
then now I'm gonna actually try to contribute to all these women who actually have a problem. Like even here we are I was trying to think about like the specific question of being a woman in 2017. Like I think it also means you have to sadly differentiate 2017 yes but where. Like I think we are also like in a very good place to be a woman these days. Mm-hmm. Like even I mean it's still hard I admit like it's still you will always find people who still have these old ideas and whatever but it's not like you cannot like you're forced to be married at eight years or that you are still treated as if you were like merchandise or whatever so now I'm thanks to you I'm kind of wondering how am I how can I be part of something bigger you know right and I think those of us that feel like we're really in a position where we you know, where we do have that freedom and we haven't really had to think about those limitations until now, I think it's really important that we do use that power and privilege to help people that are in those positions. Um, Correct. (laughs) Yeah, because it seems like it makes you realize that we're just taking, like, where we are for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things that, I mean... It should have been from the beginning of times that we wouldn't have to go through this struggle because we're the same, but sadly, we are. And I think we are taking a lot of things for granted that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And now it's we'll have happy. to think about those things. So, yes, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get depressed. <laughs> so on to a lighter note, what are your favorite parts of being a woman? Can we skip that question? <laughs> I don't know. No, because, again, it's like trying to think, okay, it makes you think, then what are the bad parts? It's, I think it's easier to say what's negative. And I don't know, I just, because it's weird, it's hard to kind of try to establish a list because I just know that if you ask me, would you be a boy? No. But I can tell you why. <laughs> I'm just, really, like, I can't, I can't explain it. Really. But but you would rather be a woman than a man. Yes, what's fun? I don't know. It seems like funnier to be a girl. <laughs> like, yeah. but again, I don't know how to explain it. I just wouldn't even trade it. I don't know. I think like, and probably we'll go also kind of with the stereotypes somehow. But like, we're better friends. We're happier. We're always smiling. Like, I think it's easier to find women who even in hard moments or sad times in your life be more positive than guys mm-hmm. and we're always there for each other I don't know it's, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's a girl or not thing but mm-hmm. I'm just happy for being a girl I don't think I would like being a guy I mean so I like, think I think it's very hard to be a boy or a man I do and I think a lot of it has to do I'm, I'm a very emotional person and mm-hmm. I just know the way that that most men and boys have been raised historically is to not follow those feelings. And I think that would be a very difficult way to live. Um, and I, I, I think it's getting better, but um, I think that suppressing those natural feelings is, is an unhealthy thing. Yeah. So I think honestly, from that perspective, I think they could actually be in, in this similar position in which they have, already like guidance like rules that they're supposed to follow mm-hmm. but then 
on that specific thing, we actually expected to be the well, not expected, but we are thought to be the whole opposite. Mm -hmm. Like that's why lots of guys, or even women, don't like women in the office because mm -hmm. they assume that you are too emotional, that you mm -hmm. cannot be professional, that you're just gonna burst into tears if something doesn't work out the way it should work. So, I mean, I wouldn't consider that to evaluate whether I prefer to be a boy or not because mm -hmm. I think it's like the same. I mean, just with a different lens, but it's the same kind of... Right. Well, I guess point, when so. I think of, like, emotions like that, like, it's I do take a lot of offense to that when people assume <laughs> that women are, you know, behaving in a certain way because they're on their period or something like that. Well, but <laughs> I, I think, I guess, I think women are better at, like, cultivating empathy and feeling with other people. And so that's the part that I kind of wish men would, that that would change for men, that that would be a more, a more natural thing for them to do, because I think it's, it's tough to not naturally be conditioned to do something like that. Correct. Yeah, they, they are also forced to be the whole opposite, which is not the healthiest, not for them or for whoever is around them. Mm -hmm. But hopefully we're, they are also making process there. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, what are, we talked about, I think we talked about your favorite parts of being a woman, <laughs> but what, what's, the hard, what's the hardest part? Um, I think I would probably sum it up in one word, which I'm just going to be even more vague afterwards, but kind of that I believe that as being a woman, you're under more scrutiny than as being a man. Like, and also actually in line with the emotions part, that everything you do, no matter where you are, or if it's work, if it's personal, whoever you are with, it's always, as you said, like, it's always a question of, uh, is it because you're in your period? Like, are you okay? Like, everything, even if you act good or bad, for whatever reason, they always try to find an emotional explanation. Mm -hmm. Like, or even, for example, also in the office, I was thinking there are these, there aren't many senior managers, like, throughout HSBC, which is, which is, like, you know, where we live. But I do feel, personally, more uh, respect and admiration for women that are in senior management, because you can even see them, like, and you hear, like... You see them and you hear them because you know what they have to go through, like against stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And for example, I'm thinking about a specific woman that is part of my team. Uh, everyone who have, who has ever said anything about her thinks that she's like, am I allowed to say bitch? <laughs> like, I'll allow it this time. <laughs> can we edit it? Yeah. <laughs> I like, she's like, people see her as been way too mean mm -hmm. like way too rude and not like just because she's not asking everything with a smile and you know but she's just doing her job like honestly I cannot avoid comparing her like to a male uh, in the similar position in which a male he can just even through emails if he just sends you an email saying I want this tomorrow because he doesn't have time to say hello, how are you, thank you, whatever. 
and everyone takes it as well, but he's the boss, whatever. While if it's her sending the same email, it's like, well, why does she have to be so rude? Why isn't she like trying to make it like nicer to us in whatever she does? And every time she has a comment, honestly, from my perspective, she just knows exactly what she's doing and what she wants. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that everyone thinks that it's way too rude and it's way too bad. And mm -hmm. I do think that it's that gender bias thing. Mm -hmm. And I saw it also like a, probably a month ago. Like we had these actually women uh, meeting in the office. Like basically um, a previous boss that I used to have in Mexico who is uh, like he was kind of my mentor. And one of the people I thank to for supporting me to be able to find something abroad and to actually like pursue it and not like giving up because in Mexico it's very hard to get a job that is not like within the country. Mm -hmm. And so it turns out that here, just within HSBC, we are many women that are actually from Mexico. And like all of us at some point started in HSBC Mexico. So this a uh, former manager helped arranging this uh, kind of women in banking lunch with one of the global heads of whichever product of HSBC. And it was interesting that, of course, like it was oriented to women because like we do face different issues, right? And I found interesting that it was awkward at the beginning because we knew we were there like to talk about our lives and how we were there and about work and whatever, but like n half of us knew each other and the other half we didn't. And like this woman is like really important and she was just like, well, so what do you want to know? And we were like, we, we didn't know we were supposed to have like answers, you know, like questions. Yeah. And so the thing is at some point it just kept rolling, it kept happening. And it was interesting that without actually specifically anyone asking her, like, about family, about how to balance being a mother, about balance being a, like a successful uh, woman in her job and being a mom and a, a wife and whatever. She just started pointing it out as one of the main um, issues that she's found. I think right now she's probably like 50 something mm -hmm. and she's been there forever. And she started just talking about how it's been hard because she did feel like even without her doing it, like without her own mind feeling guilty about not being enough with her kids, she does say that she used to feel like whenever they were supposed to have, like whenever she knew she was to compete for like a promotion or like for a specific client or for a specific project, like she was immediately like on her mind thinking like well but I mean you have you have to have the time you know like you cannot just run out of a meeting in the middle of something because your child gets sick or she used to get like lots of those comments mm -hmm. and it was interesting again something that probably you kind of know in the back of your head but like seeing that it's a problem is not as encouraging and most of the women there who had actually kids, they started at, like immediately saying, yes, I honestly sometimes can't with this guilt and my kids and whatever. And in the end, it was kind of 
positive that she kind of explained like, well, you know what, I've been doing this for ages. I just learned how to put uh, limits here and to fight. Just You just have to be good at your job. And sadly, we do have more pressure by being a woman to be good at your job because of those assumptions. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder, has anyone ever asked, um, or has a man ever asked himself if he could balance his job and his children? And has anyone ever asked a man, oh, how are you going to get that promotion? You have kids. I don't think any. I don't think anyone has. <laughs> no, and I like. I think at least I've I've heard late, uh, recently from my friends in Mexico, like talking about uh, laws in Mexico for maternity or paternity leaves are kind of vague. Let's mm-hmm. just say, I don't think so. I think right now they are trying to prove something for paternity leave, mm-hmm. and like I have only a couple of friends boys that have that recently had babies mm-hmm. and they're making like a huge deal out of it and I'm like what are you talking about like you do, you should be happy to see that to think that, that you will be able to at least be with your baby or if not just wait for your wife you have to help her it's not her only responsibility you know like they feel it as if they were being forced to just be there which oh, is so like why have- like they yeah. have paternity leave, but they're they're not excited to have it. No, they are seeing it more as so. You have to keep in mind that if you think here, uh, I don't know what's the word in uh, in in English, but have you heard the concept of machismo? Oh yeah. Which, yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, I mean, I'm not telling you that in Mexico guys hit their women, like, every day. Or, like, it's not terrible, but it's way behind that how the U.S. is. Okay. So, even if I... I do think that I'm part of a generation in which we aren't, like, it's not that embedded anymore. Mm-hmm. You can see that there, people still have those kind of ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, for them, it's like, no, but... It's for them. It's a waste of time, and I'm talking about like three days. It's not even months. It's three days. Oh my gosh! They, yeah, these two specific guys I'm thinking about. It's three days, and uh, they're seen as no. But I have like, what about my priorities? When a woman would be like, well, your family is also part of priority. You know, it's also those things that is are kind of shocking and make you realize where you are. So yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that a man has ever been asked that, and now that it has somehow is being brought up to the conversation, I think, again, it depends where you are and which year you're living in to see Definitely. how everyone would take it. But, yeah. So, Claudia, what changes would you like to see for women in the future moving forward? Um... I don't know, that we can actually feel less afraid of speaking up our minds. Like, I still, I think that we are improving, we are, like, being part of more movements each time, but still, like, in the smaller scheme of things, it seems like even if you are in a, like, just hanging around with your friends, like, you can see if you are, like, with half of the people are guys, half of the people are women, if, 
like I can see and I think that most of the women would still like avoid making a confrontational comment whether I mean it, even if it's just like basic like for example like recent months when everyone was talking about politics of course like a lot of girls I saw like what they could see was just of course like of course I would support Hillary but when they started to kind of wanted to explain more like why would they be supportive like you could easily see guys being like defensive or kind of attacking and immediately girls just shut up and are like well well that's my opinion or whatever and change conversations or stuff so i think we still have a, i i like to see that we are not that afraid anymore of speaking our minds or i think we're more afraid of what people will think mm -hmm. than guys are like guys are not that worried about if i don't know what people will think or if they will be judged because I think as we were saying they don't have that much pressure as long as they don't fall to cry mm -hmm. no one will judge them you know mm -hmm. and I think we still many of us feel that way and I think I would actually agree to say that sometimes depending on the conversation I even do it myself mm -hmm. not so proudly so I think that's what I like to change that mm -hmm. to avoid to try to reduce all just all those judgments based on nothing and all ideas that were just too sensitive or just mm -hmm. to be helpful and be nice and be supportive but don't have a, like a personality or an opinion you know mm -hmm. absolutely and I think we've seen a lot of women within maybe the last year kind of struggling to find that voice and some finding that voice um, but there have been plenty of opportunities for conversation, I think, for everyone in the past couple oh, of years. <laughs> which is a good thing, actually. Yes, I agree. Um, so I think now's a good time to move into stories of subversion, because my story is, is related to, well, it is a woman who speaks her mind and mm -hmm. really says what she has to say and has been doing it for a while. Um, so the <laughs> woman that I chose this week for stories of subversion is Maxine Waters, um, she's uh, pretty hot on Twitter right now, um, <laughs> but she is the Democratic representative in California's 43rd district, and she's been a member of Congress in various ways since 1991. Um, she's the former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, and she just, when I was running down or doing some research about her, she just has spoken out for everything that she believes in. Um, and speaks out against injustice, and she has been doing that the entire time she's been in office. I found um, incidents of her speaking out against apartheid. She was very vocal during the race riots in L.A. in the early 90s. Um, yeah. She spoke out against the um, Iraq War. She spoke out against the Tea Party movement, um, and she's been very critical of our current administration, and she has just been a strong advocate for social justice issues, and she is someone that I think many people admire because she speaks her mind. And I also think she is someone who intimidates other people for that same reason. Um, so mm -hmm. on Tuesday, Bill O'Reilly um, decided to mock Maxine Waters' hair, saying that it looked like a James Brown wig. And so it, this is, on a few different levels, this is terrible. It's judging a woman by her appearance and reducing her to her appearance. Um, and then 
on top of that, uh, she, doing that to a black woman. It's just, it's unacceptable, it's disgusting, and um, even though he apologized, it was kind of like a backhanded apology in which he, like, made fun of her again. Um, but I, so I have a couple quotes from her. Um, so she was interviewed by Chris Hayes on MSNBC, and this is what she said. She said, I'd like to say... To women out there everywhere, don't allow these right-wing talking heads, these dishonorable people, to intimidate you or scare you. Be who you are, do what you do, and let us get get on with discussing the real issues of this country. Um, and then there's a quote that she tweeted that's gone viral, and it says, I am a strong black woman, I cannot be intimidated, and I'm not going anywhere. Um, and from this... And also from an incident that happened, um, I don't remember, it, one day this week, it, it may have been yesterday even, um, with Sean Spicer um, telling an, a, another black woman um, during a press conference to stop asking questions and um, told her to stop nodding her head and was being very aggressive. Um, um, her last name is Ryan. April Ryan, I believe her name is. Um from those two incidents, there's a hashtag that has really become prominent and gone viral on Twitter, um, and it's hashtag black women at work. Um, and to that, um, black women are sharing their experiences in the workplace of discrimination, where people have discriminated against them um, for being black and for being a woman. Um, yeah, your skin is perfectly, the perfect symbol, like all of her background, all that he, she's been fighting for, and she's just being reduced to a joke, to just judging her because they couldn't take what she's doing, they don't agree what she's doing, they don't like what she's saying, mm -hmm. so let's just find something stupid and mock her. It's right, some stupid, silly thing to, to mock and then try to discredit all of the things that she's done previously. And I, we've seen mm -hmm. this so many times, um, and yeah. every time it's still horrible. Because it's shocking how every time it doesn't matter how many times you see it continues happening and the worst is that they do take the effect like that they want you know mm -hmm. i think on the positive side you see that there's also like a lot of people whether it's men or women that are realizing that more often and for example right now with the help of twitter luckily like you can create those you can use it in your favor as Definitely. opposed to just undermining her, which I think is good. At least it's an improvement. But mm -hmm. you can say that at first he did get what he wanted, which is very discouraging. Right. Well, hopefully she's putting she's putting a spin on it, and this movement is putting a spin on it to turn it into something positive. And maybe he just ended up giving her some attention and giving this. This person, and I know she's been doing a lot of really wonderful things for a very long time, but um, just kind of bringing this more into our the mainstream consciousness, which I think is a really good thing. Yeah, it's like when Trump called Hillary nasty woman. Exactly. And everyone came up saying, yes, I'm a nasty woman, mm -hmm. which was a really good thing. But mm -hmm. it's just one of the, a few of the many examples that suddenly are out there. Definitely. So, Claudia, I know you have a story of subversion that you're going to tell. So, tell us a little bit about your woman that you chose. Yes. So, it's very brief. Like, I know, of course, I learned about her as I was growing up. She's a very, she was a, a very famous poet in Mexico. She's also made famous in Spain. 
Um, I actually wonder if she's not here. Uh, so I don't know the details. I just remember what I like interesting and what I why I think she's perfect example for this. So her name in Spanish is Juana Inés de la Cruz. She's a nun. I've heard the name before. I don't know. Okay. I've heard the name, but I I know you definitely know more about her than I do. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad to, at least you've heard the name. Yeah. Because I tried just before I tried to like look like okay, so in English how do they refer to her? Like mm-hmm. what's the name? And I just couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. So, let's just leave it at her. So, she was um, a poet, a writer, like she was actually tons of things. She was part of Mexican culture in the 1600s mm-hmm. when we were basically, um, uh, we were under the rules on government of the Spanish. They had already colonized Mexico. So um, around that time, it was forbidden for girls to study because it was believed that women should only, um, the only knowledge that was useful for women was believed to be either household stuff, meaning like literally cooking, whatever, or um, religious stuff. Like they were still trying to put on like the religious part. And so, but this girl, she was actually believed to be a prodigy. She was like eager of knowledge and she really wanted to learn. Like even when she was really young, like she, according to like all the books, she learned, she self, said yeah she learned on her own mm-hmm. to read and to write when she was three years old and by the age of eight years old she had already written one of the most famous poems in Mexico when she was eight years old so wow. like, yeah that's when you go when you're like what am I doing so <laughs> uh, she was so in the end she became uh, she so she did that she became like she started to do it kind of uh, hidden, getting books on her own, getting all the information she could. Like she made herself knowledgeable of theology, of literally or astronomy, of everything, you name it. You know how it was, like even in ancient times of the Greeks, like everyone knew everything. This woman was our Mexican version, right? <laughs> so uh, she was, so I do remember that when, when I was taught about her, uh, one of the main things that they told us was that even she was so eager to actually just be there and learn what guys were learning because she wanted to have that privilege that she used to dress up like a guy to go to college to be able to take that education. As far as I know, I th- right now there are debates on whether she actually did it, which I don't know if it's something positive or negative without their doubting that. Because it was one of the main things that you were taught, you know, like how she, it was her way to not let herself give up. So the thing is that she was, again, she started writing um, poems at eight years old. She never stopped. She kept writing books about how, like, really analyzing society, analyzing all of she was learning about. And she, so she was so prodigious that even the, I don't know if they're kings, the viceroys, I think they were called. I, that sounds uh, like a Spain. history word that I've learned at some point. 
Yeah, which means basically like the important guys in Spain, mm-hmm. like she got their attention because they, she was making so much noise, mm-hmm. like by being a girl and a smart girl, that it was just getting herself out there when everyone thought it was wrong. They just actually took her to see like, okay, so let's see how smart you truly are. Like, what's all this noise about? So they literally put her like against, well, not against, but like, they made her like to take a public kind of test, like asking her questions, like only the most educated people would be able to answer about all kinds of topics with preparation. And she knew everything, everyone was amazed. So she became actually somehow unofficially the writer for the king's and viceroys in, uh, in Spain, which was what how she was able to make her word be heard. And so, again, not to make it long, but uh, she, since she was kind of privileged because she knew that she wasn't going to be in prison or going to be judged or anything else because she was being able to write, um, and to study by herself because she had the support of the important people. Uh, she started writing more and more uh, articles and books that were criticizing how everyone thought that women were inferior. And she kept, of course, that at the time there was a lot of people anger at her and ang- even more angry because no one did anything to her because she was in a in the end, she was kind of protected, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is well known that there was one uh, old priest that she made a, crit- a specific criti- critic of one of his books. Like, he, he basically used religious uh, arguments to undermine women, which, of course, she just wasn't uh, that happy about it, and she wasn't, like, in favor of it. And she wrote a letter criticizing him, which was published on her on, without her permission. The thing is that since it was criticizing specifically also how church was seeing women, it was like an outrage. Like it, it was probably what made her come like out of being the shining star that she was. Because in the end, she lost just because of that. She lost the support that she had from the viceroy, however you say it. And in the end, she was like, they forced her to give away all her books. They forced her to give away all the publishes that she has made and everything just to give her a shot, which is, I mean, I'm sure if you read it in a book, it's more interesting. But the point is that she, even after that, her last, the last she published was a letter in response to the guy who actually published that kind of in revenge because she it was a way for him to get her shot and she in her last publication she insisted in saying that oh because in this when she when this guy published it he mentioned like maybe you should stop like trying to make yourself sound smartish about certain topics and just focus on religious or what women should be doing. So her response was that it was well known that of course a woman could um, read while she was cooking, like some kind of ironies ironies of why you shouldn't just box us in one Mm -hmm. 
in just one, how do you say, it, activity, mm -hmm. I don't know, role. And, but suddenly in the end, they did show her them, and they checked, but like all of her publications are that, like are judging, uh, not judging, but she's very strong criticizing how women were considered inferior, how we weren't given enough um, the rights and how she fought and she actually managed to get the education she wanted and be actually heard at least at certain points. So. Mm -hmm. I think that would be it. Yeah, she is a great My example son. of a subversive woman. That yeah. is amazing, especially what it, in the 1600s. That's incredible. Six. Yeah. yeah, 1650, something like that. Yeah. Wow. And so it was very like, very progressive for that age, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, and I guess uh, speaking out against the church at that time was probably mm -hmm. not the thing to do, so that probably got her yeah. into some trouble. That's, I think that that was probably the biggest one. That's yeah. the only way they had her shout out. Yeah. Um, so that was a great story. Claudia, is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? Anything else that the world needs to know about women? Uh, no, I think we said it all, just that women are, we're not weak in any way. We're not weak even in physical strength or emotional strength. So I think that would be best to leave out there. Absolutely. What a great note to leave on. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next week. And thank you, Claudia, for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Mm -hmm. All right. Bye.